Would you join me in prayer? Father God, who has created and is creating and continues to create in your work of upholding and sustaining the universe so large and then each of us so small. Today, by your spirit, would you open our ears and hearts and mind to hear what you have to say for us this day. We trust your good work in us, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, I'm Pastor Joy. It's good to see you today. And today we are continuing our study on the book of Proverbs and the way of wisdom. For the last several weeks, we have covered some of the content in the first part of the book, the first nine chapters. But now we are moving on to the next chapters, which if you've been reading Proverbs, it's, it's a little verse here on this and a little verse there on that. And instead of just preaching through sections of verses, we've organized some of the topics. So the next few weeks will be on topical themes from Proverbs. Some of the topics are that we are speaking about or not speaking about, but you'll read them in the book, are friendship and family and forgiveness, how we speak, the words we use, our character. And we just can't cover them all. There's too many in the time we have. But through prayer and discernment, we've selected several themes to explore together here on Sunday mornings. And so today we begin with the topic of work and laziness, which is something the father mentions to his son over and over and over. So I invite you to stand with me for the reading of our first passage from Proverbs today. And I want you to imagine a father teaching his child, and he's telling his son of an observation he's making. Let's read this together. Proverbs chapter 24, verses 30 through 34. I passed the field of one who was lazy by the vineyard of a stupid person. And see, it was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw and considered it. I looked and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed warrior. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks for reading with me. Let's sit down. So, Imagine, the father is out taking his afternoon stroll, and he sees a vineyard. Now, like today, vineyards are valuable property. And in this culture, they were passed on from one generation to the next, and you inherit the work of those who've gone before you, those who have cultivated the vines and built the wall. But this vineyard has been inherited by a lazy person. Sometimes, in some translations, he's referred to as lazy bones. And lazy bones hasn't pruned it. He hasn't weeded the thorns and nettles. The weeds are shading the vines. And fewer and fewer grapes are being grown each year. Instead, he's had a little nap here, a little late morning there, a little 30 minutes scrolling on his phone, a long weekend binging on Netflix, 
He's crossed his arms over his chest and rested his back against his lovely patinaed wall. This kind of sounds better than falling down. And he's been trusting Mother Nature to take care of the plants and the grapes and the wall. But entropy, unkempt vines don't produce good grapes. And I know this from experience because Justin and I have a kind of a farm in our backyard and we have a grapevine. You have to prune them. And a decrepit wall doesn't keep out animals and ruffians. And it certainly does it keep out poverty, who's really personified here like a criminal. Do you see that in the text? Poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed warrior. A militant rogue, a thief, moving ever so slowly into the inheritance to tear it down. While regular criminals might work fast with quick chaos, laziness is slow motion corruption, little by little, by little. And I think we all know that laziness is just so easy. It's like a a soft bed. You can just flop on and then turn from side to side. The father points this out too in another proverb. This is Proverbs 26, 14. As a door turns on its hinges, so does a lazy person in bed. Doors don't go anywhere. I mean, a good door shouldn't. It should stay in place, right? But people aren't doors. We aren't fixed in place. Lazily turning from one side to another in bed like a door is not what being a human is all about. But it is so easy, isn't it? And easy is nice, and we want life to be easy. We want it to be comfortable. Laziness is easy. And we don't like hard things. We want there to be an easy button. But there's something so idyllic about this picture. Not with the button on it, without the button. But you imagine just lounging in the vineyard, resting under the shade of the wall. But actually, I think it's even easier to be lazy now in the 21st century. I mean, we really no longer have to grow our own food or weave our own cloth or dig our own wells. The social safety nets in modern society, though many of them were created for wonderful reasons, can be easily misused and encourage more laziness. Media and entertainment encourage us to relax mindlessly and and be consumers rather than creators. It's really easy to sit back and do nothing, except maybe complain or click like and feel like you've done everything. Because laziness is so easy. It is so easy to do nothing. Proverbs speaks about the ease of laziness several times. Once, actually, the idea is repeated here in these two, in 19.4 and 26.15. And we remember when it's repeated, it's important. The lazy person buries a hand in the dish and will not even bring it back to the mouth. The lazy person buries a hand in the dish and is too tired to bring it back to the mouth. Perhaps if we rewrote this proverb for today, it would say, a lazy person puts his hand in the Dorito bag and is too tired to pull it out. I mean, this should make us chuckle a little bit, right? The Bible has humor in it. This is a satire of a lazy person. And if you take this proverb to its logical conclusion, you know what happens to this person they die. 
And that's what happens when you don't eat, right? Put your hand in the dish, never bring it back to your mouth. No sustenance. It leads to death because you have to feed yourself to live. And, and true laziness, as easy as it is, ultimately leads to death. Old Testament Bruce Walkey said it this way. The sluggard, that's the lazy person, the sluggard starves in spite of opportunity. However, in contrast, work, whether it's tending a vineyard or even bringing your hand back to your mouth to feed yourself, is good. Work is necessary for life. And from a biblical perspective, to be human is to be created to work as we are created in the image of God who works, as we just sang about in all our hymns. Work is good. Now, sometimes people can kind of think that work is a necessary evil or something that you have to do, but you don't want to. But from a biblical perspective, that is not true. Work, when properly balanced with rest, And when done to the glory of God is good. And we see this from the beginning of the biblical narrative. In Genesis 1, 26 through 27, we read, Then God said, Let us make humans in our image according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the wild animals of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So, God created humans in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And then we read one chapter later. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to till it and keep it. That's work. God created humanity in his image to work in God's creation, to care for it, for the animals, for the land, because work is good and God made us to work. And Proverbs underscores this creational truth. Because work is good, good work has good consequences. And it names some of the consequences. In Proverbs 10, 4, we read, A slack hand causes poverty but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Good works bring, brings good work brings riches or at least provision. And this is a good reminder. Remember this for those who are, are working in the workforce. Remember that good work brings provisions on days that you are not in love with your job. Remember this on days when you're struggling with work or, or when you wonder if you should have gone into a different field. Remember this when you don't get that promotion or your job doesn't feel satisfying. Sometimes work is simply good because it helps provide for our families and our communities. The hand of the diligent makes rich. Now we have to remember that proverbs are not promises. They're sort of a general observed rule. But often, as a general rule, if a person works diligently... They can provide for themselves and their household. So be diligent in your good work, my friends. Not only that, good work can also raise your status and increase your honor. We read this in Proverbs twenty-two twenty-nine. Do you see those who are skillful in their work? They will serve kings. They will not serve common people. So this is an instruction. We remember Proverbs is written for children and young people to get good at your work. 
So students and young adults, do your work with commitment. Seek out mentors to help you improve. Ask other people for their input. Become more skillful at work. Remember that skill can be learned in a way that talent can't. Because this isn't about talent. It's about skill and diligence. As an example, um, I, have a, I have a side project right now. Uh, this week, I finished the first draft of a play. And right afterwards, I sent it to three theater professionals who I know, one who's here. Thanks, Miriam. Um, and I asked them to read the play and offer input and offer critique, how to make it better, what to improve, what to cut, where to go deeper, because I'm seeking to become a better playwright and to increase my skill. Now, I don't think any kings or royalty are going to see my play, but I do want it to be good because growing in skill is good work, and that's something we can all do. So students and young adults, this is why your parents are encouraging you to work hard at school or your musical instrument or in speech club or engineering club. This is your work. Being a student and learning how to become an adult, a good citizen of our country and the world, and even more importantly, a citizen of God's kingdom, is your work. Because through our good work, people can become more influential in the world. We see this uh, in the examples of King David, who played the harp skillfully enough to be invited to serenade King Saul, or Joseph, who was a good enough and wise enough economic manager that he began to have influence over Pharaoh. Do good work and grow in skill so that your influence and integrity and work for God's glory will help to influence wider and wider circles. And, and some of you, I know, you're past this stage in life, but encourage the young people that you know and you're in relationship to be doing this. Another benefit of, of hard work. When you work well, it benefits others and it benefits you. Anyone who tends a fig tree will eat its fruit, Proverbs 27, 18 says, and anyone who takes care of a master will be honored. Good work benefits yourself and it benefits others. Again, young people, those or those just starting out in the workforce, one reason you listen to your boss and follow his or her instructions is to build their trust so you can prove yourself responsible and maybe be promoted. Being a good worker influences society at large and benefits it, but it also benefits each of us individually. As an example, we have some fruit trees, and I, uh, my kids will help pick berries in June or July. They don't always like helping, but um, the rule is if you're helping to pick, you can always pick some berries into your own mouth because anyone who tends a fig tree will eat its fruit. We don't have figs. It's too cold here. But good work benefits others, and it also benefits you. So here we see this contrast between laziness and good work. And I think we can all affirm this practical wisdom for the good life from Proverbs. And I'll, I'll tell you what, congregation here at Hinsdale Covenant Church, in my five and a half years on staff, I have really observed that this congregation is very hardworking. I know that many of the people who are still in the workforce put in 50, 60, 70 hours a week. I know that some who are retired spend a lot of time volunteering for the church, 
or elsewhere, caring for grandchildren or other family members. And actually, I think one of the top adjectives I'd use to describe our congregation is hardworking. And I'm, I'm really thankful for that, and I shared that value. So maybe you wonder, well, then, why are we looking at this text today? And I'll tell you why. I think that as much as these texts apply to vocational work, they also apply to spiritual and emotional work. Vocational work is so vital, it's part of what it means to be human. But just as much as God created humanity to work, it's always within the context of a spiritual relationship, a relationship with God in Christ through the church and the spirit. But this relationship with God must not be received like an inherited vineyard that we just simply rest into and say, it's mine, God's got me, salvation is a free gift. Because these gifts don't mean anything and do not yield fruit if they're not used. And the teachings here on work and laziness in Proverbs spur us on to work out the gifts of God. Paul wrote in Philippians, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, I want to be careful here. This does not mean that we save ourselves through our work. We cannot save ourselves. Only Jesus can save us. Works alone don't save us, but good work, including spiritual work, is what saved people do. I'm going to say that again, and also I did not make this up, but it's really memorable. Works don't save us, but good work, including spiritual work, is what saved people do. So what does this look like to apply this metric of laziness and work to our spiritual lives? Well, let's go back to Proverbs. The appetite, that word there is the Hebrew word nefesh, which is sometimes means life or soul. The appetite of the lazy craves, and that word is the same word that is used for covet in the Ten Commandments. The appetite of the lazy craves and gets nothing, while the appetite of the diligent is richly supplied. Now, this proverb is about desire. As I said, the word appetite there is the same as soul or life in the other parts of the Old Testament. And this appetite is the deepest part of the person. In Genesis, God breathes into the, the human being, the Adam, and he became a living nefesh or appetite or soul. This is intrinsic. Desire is intrinsic to what it means to be human. We all have desires. The lazy have desires. The diligent have desires. But the difference is, if these desires move from simply being in our heart or mind to being in our hands and our body, because for good desires to be fruitful, they have to be lived into. It's just not about having good intentions. I think that's what they say the road to hell is paved with. Simply having a desire to grow spiritually isn't enough. Now, it is a good start, and it's necessary. But if you don't act on it, you will get nothing. God's gifts to us are free, just like the inherited vineyard. But we have to reach out actively and receive them and then do something with them. We have to lean into our desires with action. So here's, here's an example. Uh, a few months before my husband Justin and I were married, I gave him a card, and I still remember what it said. It said, their love was big and fat because they fed it between meals. 
Do you see how desire is related to action in that? It was big and fat because they fed it. They were actively engaged in growing their relationship, in growing their love. Relationships fizzle out because people don't act. And it's the same spiritually. The time you need most to pray or to read scripture or to go to church is when you don't particularly feel like it. Don't just pray when you feel that awesome spiritual buzz. I mean, pray then, but not just then. Pray when you wonder where God is. Pray when you doubt. Feed your relationship with God between meals. In other words, don't be spiritually or emotionally lazy. Because we can see long-term where spiritual laziness leads. Proverbs 26 explores this thoroughly. The lazy person says, there is a lion in the road, there is a lion in the streets. As a door turns on its hinges, so does a lazy person in bed. We've heard this one already this morning. The lazy person buries a hand in the dish and is too tired to bring it back to the mouth. The lazy person is wiser in his own eyes than seven who can answer discreetly. We see a kind of progression in in this description. So lazy bones first avoids work by claiming to seek safety. There's a line in the road. And then he stays in bed doing nothing all day. And he, I I mean, really, it could be a she as well. So he, he or she doesn't even try to feed himself. And in the end, staying home, staying in bed, not eating, clearly isolated from others, Lazy Bones discovers herself to be the most wise person. Because of the isolation it brings, laziness fundamentally results in pride. It results in a refusal and finally an inability to learn from others in which the self becomes sovereign in one's isolation. The lazy person is wiser in his own eyes than seven who can answer discreetly. The Old Testament scholar Bruce Walkie writes about this section. This man isn't just lazy, he's also conceited. Although he cuts a comical figure, the poem climactically represents him as under the illusion that he is wiser than the wisest. The poem's frame represents his problem as spiritual and psychological. His irrational fear restricts him to his house, and his irrational pride prevents his correction. This is a funny picture, but it is deeply, deeply sobering. I don't want to be like this guy. I don't like him. I don't want to read about him in a book or watch him in a movie. He's a pretty abysmal character. And that is exactly what the father is doing in this description. He is painting a picture of a lazy person that is so awful, we all run in the other direction. So let's apply this sad picture to the spiritual life. First, safety can be a disguise for laziness. Safety can be a disguise for laziness. Whether it's literal safety or safety from ideas you might find offensive, or safety from the truth that Jesus calls us to a life of transformation, safety can be a disguise for laziness. Second, we must be active in our spiritual lives. 
actively involved in relationships with others, and proactive in regards to eating spiritual food. Sometimes, not that often, but occasionally, I hear people say, that pastor or that church didn't feed me. Have you ever heard that? I wasn't fed there. Now, there are some times in which one might rightly critique a Christian leader or institution, but, my friends, we are all also responsible to participate in the work of spiritual growth. You have to put your hand in the dish and then pull it out. Don't wait for someone else to feed you like a baby does. Even toddlers feed themselves. So participate in your own spiritual growth And don't just wait for someone to zoom the airplane spoon into your mouth. Here's some ways to participate. The first you're already doing, this is great, attend and engage in worship. Now, we all know how you can just be someplace physically, but sort of your brain can be somewhere else here, but not engaged. But I'll challenge you, for the exact same amount of time you're already spending in in worship, You can listen actively and prayerfully. As you come into the the sanctuary, pray, God, what words do you have for me today in worship? Right? Learning and participating in the music, even if you don't really feel like you can sing. That's okay. This is not a talent contest. Right? That's one way. Joining a small group or a Bible study. Or maybe you have questions about what it looks like to follow Jesus or concern about your work. Or maybe you're struggling in your faith. So reach out to a pastor. Read scripture and pray. And if you don't pray very much, don't feel like your prayer has to be fancy. A great way to start with prayer is is just saying, thank you, God. Or help me. Help me. Or even, I I want to know you more. Or even, "I, I want to want to know you more. These are all great prayers, a great way to begin moving away from that, being that lazy person. The good news here, my friends, is that we worship a God who works. We just sang about this a lot. God did not create the world and then fly off into the distance. He worked, he's working now, and he's going to keep on working. God works with us and he works for us. God offers us food. He offers us the bread of life and the living water through Jesus. And all we have to do is actively receive it. And God, who is all-knowing and all-wise, offers us the best and most wise counsel from the Holy Spirit and the Holy Scripture. Work is good. It has so many benefits. Laziness, whether it's vocational laziness or spiritual laziness, it will only lead to pride and death. But God works amidst this and invites us to participate in this working. I affirmed us earlier for being a hardworking congregation, and I do. And I want to challenge us now. Let's apply our work ethic to our spiritual lives as well. And we can do this. We can do this together by the power of the Spirit. Let us serve one another and the world through opportunities of outreach and evangelism and mission and giving. We can work like God works as we image him because God's work works. I'd like to end this message today in a time of prayer. I want to 
pray and bless each of you in your work and all of us in our spiritual work. So there's going to be an opportunity, if you'd like, in this prayer to stand and receive a blessing. There'll be sort of different categories of people, whether you're still working or retired or a a student or young adult starting out. And so if you'd like to receive that blessing when you hear, I invite you to just stand up and, and open your hands as a symbol of receiving the Spirit, receiving the blessings of God in your work. Let us pray together. God, I lift up my brothers and sisters in Christ today. And we thank you for our work. Whether it is paid work or work caretaking for children or elders or friends or family or volunteer work or simply the work of every day pushing back the entropy, we thank you, God. We thank you for creating us with a purpose to participate in your work, and to know you in relationship. So I lift up today any friends who might be struggling in their work. Maybe it's a a relationship with a boss or an employee. Maybe it's a change in their workplace. Maybe it's questions that keep cropping up, like, should I have chosen differently? Why am I doing this? For those struggling in their work, God, would you guide these men and women in their vocations? Would you, giver of all wisdom, give that wisdom generously so they may discern next steps? Would you show them the fruit of their labors to encourage their hearts? God, I pray for those among us who are caretakers, whether it's of a a spouse or a parent or an aunt or uncle or children, young or older. God, caretakers are, have deep demands on them. Would you fill them with your love? Fill them with the fruit of your spirit, especially patience. Give them good rest at night so that they are nourished in their own physical needs and continue to serve. God, I bless the caretakers among us. I lift up our students today, Jesus those in elementary school and middle school, in high school, in college, recent grads or almost grads, those in grad school, would you bless our students, God, giving them the mind to study well, to grow in their knowledge and awe at your great world? Would you provide mentors to help them develop their skills? Would you give them direction about what steps to take? Take away their anxiety about their future. Help them to seek you first and not lean on their own understanding and give them confidence that you will direct their paths. As they consider their future, would you guide them into prioritizing their spiritual work as a foundation for the rest of the work they do? God, I pray your blessing on those among us who are retired, who have finished their days of vocational work, and turn to the work of prayer and meditation and being in relationships with family and friends. Those who are experiencing their bodies wearing out, but whose souls are in constant preparation by your spirit as their days to meeting you shorten. Bless those among us, Jesus, who are retired. And I also lift up our own spiritual work as a church, 
Grow us together through our worship, through our listening to your word together, to participating in prayer and song. Grow us through the work of small groups and Bible study. Meet us in our individual prayer and scripture reading. God, we do not want to be like lazy bones. We want to follow the wisdom of the Father, and we want our lives to reflect your image, the image of the God that we are created in. God, we thank you for hearing our prayer. May our individual requests about our work ring out to you. And Jesus, would you keep working, keep working in each of our lives. We pray this in your name. Amen. And in response, I invite you to stand and we'll sing together hymn number 720, Rise Up, O Saints of God.